From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. Hey, we have a, uh, a just a, a special treat this morning. How many understand that dynamite comes in a pretty small package, right? Um, and we just have an incredible gift. We have a lot of gifts in this house, a lot of, a lot of, of incredibly talented people, but there's, there's, for me, one of the joys of pastoring is watching the journey that people walk through, walk, watching the way they walk through that journey with Jesus. And so um, about a month ago, I reached out to um, part of our house and just said, hey, I would love, love, love to have you teach on Mother's Day. And um, the response was, oh, okay, uh, let, me, let me pray about it. Um, because I just felt like the Lord had just highlighted a person in, the, in, in our culture and just said, hey, her. And so I sat with my wife and said, hey, what do you think? Give me your, your read on this. She's like, oh, I think it'd be fantastic. She's like, I don't think she'll say yes. She's really busy. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we'll try. Anyway, this morning, um, I just want you to put your hands together and help me welcome um, an incredible, incredible part of this house. And some of you know Mark and Dana Dunlap. I've invited Dana to come teach today. And so let's welcome Dana Dunlap. Good morning, Vintage. This is such a pleasure. Happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful moms in the house. I just pray today that you feel lavishly loved upon, honored and cherished for the special women that you are. And the blessings that you pour into your children, into your family every day do not go unnoticed. So let's just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us today. I just pray our mothers feel honored and special and encouraged. And Lord, I pray that you would breathe your life on this message this morning. God, that it would give us your truth, new life, and new revelation as to who we are as your children. And God, as we leave this place, may we have a better understanding of our kingdom position. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to thank Pastor Greg and Belinda for the invitation this morning. This is such an honor to me, and I'm very thankful. I am so excited to share with you what God has put on my heart. When I was preparing for this message, I was amazed at the new truths that God was showing me just in this very topic that I wanted to share with you this morning. But before I begin to share that, I have to share with you what the Dunlap family tradition is on Mother's Day. Um, So Mama Dunlap gets to go and pick out all her flowers, shrubs, anything my heart desires, pots, bring them on home, and then all the boys of my family plant them. And I absolutely love this gift. This is my favorite thing each year. But before the planting begins, we usually need to do some landscaping. So Mark and the boys usually thatch and aerate, rake, fertilize, and then the dreaded weeding begins. So there are weeds that have popped up this year everywhere around our house, like unusually popped up. And these weeds, to me, it's really amazing how big these weeds can get. Like, I'm not kidding. Seriously, some of these weeds are like mini trees, and they are thorny and prickly, and they are deeply rooted, and they've really grown unnoticed kind of overnight. And it really takes a good thick pair of gloves to really pull this out in some serious effort to get these weeds out. And it really reminded me at times of how these big, prickly, thorny weeds 
or lies of the enemy that we allow to grow into the landscape of our lives. And they're hard to pull out since they've grown so deeply rooted into our being. And it takes some effort to pull out these weeds or lies of the enemy because we've accepted them for so long. But once those lies are weeded out and replaced with fresh, green, alive truths of God, the landscapes of our lives are beautiful and captivating for all to see. So today, we are going to do some weeding in our gardens and plant some beautiful, live truths of God when it comes to our identity in Christ. And what I want to share with you today, I feel, is one of the greatest gifts alongside salvation, and that is the gift to be called a child of God our identity in Jesus. We're adopted sons and daughters of the living God for his pleasure. That's what the word of God says. We were adopted for his pleasure. And before the foundation of the world, the Bible says that he chose us, and then he went even further yet, and he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We were adopted for the kind intention of his will, and then he lavished all this grace upon us. That is some incredible kind of love. So what does it mean to be a child of God or a woman of God that he created me to be? I've come to realize that over the years, I have been dealing with a case of mistaken identity. And what I mean by that is I just hadn't believed what God said about me. So I started recognizing this when I was listening to myself speak. I was very negative about myself. I was constantly putting myself down or just being really hard on myself and unforgiving and most certainly never acknowledged that I had any gifts that would enhance or build the kingdom of God. This was some really poor thinking. So today I stand here before you, and I don't have this perfectly worked out at all. This is currently the journey that I am going on and that the Lord is leading me with new truth. But I have found some truths that have brought me some incredible freedom in Christ to understand what it means to be a child of God, his beloved. And so I want to share these truths with you today. So if you've experienced any kind of mistaken identity along your walk with the Lord, then maybe this too can remind you of your powerful, rightful place in his kingdom. So what is it that we see when we look in the mirror every single day? What are the thoughts that consume our minds day in and day out? Do we, do we see what our profession is? Is that how we see ourselves, is what we do? Or do we only see what we've achieved? If I am what I accomplish, then I'll always have to achieve more to find my value. Do I see the good things that I've done in my life, or do I only see the things that I've done wrong, all my fears and my failures before me? What about what others think of me? Do I allow the labels and the names and the accusations of others to define me? If I choose to believe what others say I am, then I'm always going to have to try to please man instead of our Heavenly Father. And I'll tell you, that is the most exhausting thing. We just possibly, we can't possibly please man. So for years, I've seen just the opposite of what our mighty creator sees me to be, and it has affected every area of my life. The Bible talks about a real enemy, and this is key the enemy of our souls who is ready at any moment to devour us, to kill, steal, and destroy our self-image. 
He wants to rob us of our identity and make us doubt who we are in Christ. And then we just end up existing instead of living the full life that Christ came to die for us to have. I have a book, and it's called Fervent. It's by Priscilla Schreier. This book is amazing. It says, A Woman's Battle Plan for Serious, Specific, Strategic Prayer. If you need a jump start on your prayer life, this is awesome. And in one of the chapters, it says, It's your identity, remembering who you are. And she starts out this chapter by saying, If she were the enemy of our souls, this is what she would do. If I were your enemy, I'd devalue your strength and magnify your insecurities until they dominate how you see yourself, disabling and disarming you from fighting back, from being free, from being who God created you to be. I'd work hard to ensure that you never realize what God has given you so you'll doubt the power of God within you. And then she goes on to say, if he, the devil, can get you to believe his lies, you won't feel equipped or entitled to stand up against him. You'll be weak and helpless, and then he'll run all over you and over the things and people that you love. The further he can separate, I love this, the further he can separate your practical reality from your true living reality, he can wedge himself in the space between the two and short-circuit the free-flowing effectiveness of your influence as a wife, a mom, a friend, a daughter, and a sister. All the relationships where God has placed you to be a light for his grace, his power, his love, and his well-placed confidence. If the enemy of our souls can for one second paralyze us in fear or feelings of worthlessness, it temporarily hinders us in taking our rightful position as God's child. Satan doesn't want us knowing our full potential in the kingdom of God because we would literally wreak havoc on all of his schemes. And then once we start to believe who we are as daughters and sons of the king, we'll begin to think, act, and speak as the person God sees us to be, and by doing that, it destroys all the enemy's plans. So what has God been putting on your hearts? Has he been giving you dreams and desires and visions of things to come? Has he been, have you faithfully acted out these things, or have you been held back by fear and insecurities and lies from the enemy that you can't do it? Maybe it's a book that he's asked you to write. That's me for 10 years, that's coming. Maybe it's a missions trip that he's called you to take. Maybe it's finishing your degree or pursuing an entirely new career. Maybe it's sharing Christ with a loved one or a coworker or a boss. Or maybe it's mending a relationship with a loved one that you are seeking to find the Lord. Whatever it is that God has placed upon your heart, the enemy of our souls will want nothing more than to cause us to doubt our royal position or walk in that calling that God has given us with confidence. He wants to strip us of all of our rights, cause us to be disengaged and lifeless, and suddenly we might find ourselves giving excuses as to why we can't do these things that God's put upon our heart, and then we start speaking negatively against these things. And these are the weeds that start popping up in our lives. God has a lot to say in the book of Proverbs about the words that we speak about ourselves and about other people in our situations and how our tongues can bring life or death. In Proverbs it says, as a man thinks, so is he. So what is it that we think about ourselves? Do we think of ourselves as royalty, as children of the king of kings? 
Or do we make a, oh, actually, we need to make a decision to pursue the truths of God and keep his word ever before us to remind us of our inheritance and then speak out those declarations of our kingdom position. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to a whole man's body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. God specifically tells us to guard our hearts. When we guard something, it means we're on constant watch duty over it. We are protective of that special thing. The last few times I've gone into our downtown bank in Windsor, um, I've noticed that they have hired this armed guard, and they put him right in the lobby. And this is a little tiny lobby, so when you walk in, you're just, you just stand there, and you know he's watching you. Like, you don't even want to move. This guy is ripped. I mean, he's buff. He is well-trained. You, you can tell, like, you don't want to mess with him. He's packing heat. And you know nothing is going to get by this guy. He is watching. He is protecting. He is guarding what is important to him. And this scene at the bank made me really stop to think that this is a call to us as believers to guard this precious identity and this powerful gift that God has given us and not let the strong man come in and steal our inheritance, our rights. This is our right. We are sealed and marked with the Holy Spirit that we are his and he is ours. I'll never forget the time that I battled cancer because at times it felt like more of a spiritual mental battle than it did a physical one. And sometimes I needed a minute-by-minute reminder of God's constant healing promises over me. So I literally took these big, huge, neon-colored poster boards. I mean, they were obnoxious. And I found all the healing scriptures I could find, plastered them on every wall in the house. Like, no matter where I looked, I could see and feed on these scriptures of God. And not only that, while I was receiving chemotherapy, Mark would read these healing verses over me, but he also made declarations of the verse over my life. He applied them to my life, and I believe that is exactly why I'm here today, because of the active living word of God penetrating into every part of my life, bringing me life. And this month marks 11 years of being cancer-free to God's glory. Woo! That's exciting. In Hebrews 4.12, I love this verse, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The spoken word of God is powerful. And not just a little bit, but it just powerfully changes the way we see ourselves and causes us to walk with more of a confidence and assurance that we belong to the king of kings. We are no longer slaves to negative thinking. I want you to hear that. We are not our past sins or our past hurts or failures. We are not what someone did to us or said about us. We are not our past disease or our past mistakes. These are not the things that define us. We are what our creator says about us. We are his children made in his image. We were created to make a difference. 
no matter how young or how old you are, we are placed for a specific time right now to make a difference. In Genesis 1.27, we are told that God created us by his spoken word in his image and then declared over all that he had made that we are very good. I don't know if you've ever been told that you're very good or you feel like it, but God has declared over every one of you that you are very good and we were all created to do good works. Earlier I had said I felt like shouting at the top of my lungs of the truths that I found that God declares over us. And here is where our landscapes get beautiful and captivating. He declares that we are his masterpieces, every one of us. We are his beloved. He says that I am his and he is mine. This is my favorite. He calls us the praise of his glory. That is awesome. His handiwork, the apple of his eye, his treasured possessions. He says we are wonderfully made. Women, we are wonderfully made. After babies, we are wonderfully made. Going through menopause and the silver hair and the wrinkles and hair that grows where you didn't think it would grow, we are all wonderfully made. We are reconciled, redeemed, forgiven, with no condemnation hanging over our heads. He declares us saints, heirs of God with eternal inheritance and a royal priesthood. When we sleep, our God doesn't slumber. He sings songs of deliverance over us. And he intercedes in prayer for us. This incredible creator God is calling us daily to know him more and inviting us by his Holy Spirit to spend time with him. When we get to know him better, he will continue to shine his truth as to who we are in him and shine light on the darkness that tries to rob that truth from us. In Colossians 1, 10 through 14, it says, Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you and I might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified all of us, to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. My favorite part, he has rescued each one of us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the king of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sins. This verse is packed with so much truth. God wants us to grow in the knowledge of him and wants to give us strength and power so when we face the enemy, we'll have victory. He wants to shed that light and rescue us from the lies and then place us right beside him in his heavenly kingdom. So how do we strengthen ourselves and keep that identity of Christ ever before us? According to Ephesians 6, we're in a struggle, a literal spiritual battle every day against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have our work cut out for us on a daily basis, and in order to guard our hearts, as Proverbs 4 says we ought to, we need to take some action. I believe the first step to action each day is reading God's word and prayer. This powerful combination will bring heaven to earth and invade all the circumstances of our lives. When we submit ourselves to God, the Bible says the devil must flee. 
daily reading the truths of God's word and then allowing these truths to penetrate our hearts will only cause us to grow in the knowledge of God and fall deeper in love with our creator. Mark and I have read Matthew 6.33 for years, and I'm sure most of you can recite it. But for some reason, the Lord has highlighted this verse for us this year. And it says to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. When we stay connected to the vine, we receive our nourishment. We feel like we can tackle the world. But when we miss this time with God, we can do nothing apart from him. In John 15, 5, it says, apart from Christ, we wither. That is when we start to doubt our identity in Christ. And then, when we haven't connected to the vine dresser, who then gives us our nourishment. Secondly, it's important that we take negative self-talk or thought that sets itself up against the very knowledge of God and who he says we are and take it captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Lastly, God has given us as his children authority over all the power of the evil one. Not just a little bit, but it says all the power of the evil one. We must remember that because Christ overcame, we are all overcomers. We may at times feel struck down in our trials and tribulations, but the Bible says we are not destroyed. He has equipped us with weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds and overcome the darkness. He's also given us a mighty suit of armor to overcome the advances of enemy forces. This suit of armor helps us to stand firm and not be shaken. Psalm 16, 8 says, with Christ at a right side, we will not be shaken. We must dress ourselves from head to toe in the armor of God and then hold up the shield of faith, which extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 2 Corinthians 5.17, my favorite verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The title of being God's child, it's already ours. No one or nothing can take that from us. We are a new creation in Christ. We've been given a clean, fresh start, a new slate, a new beginning. The old has passed away with all its flaws, its failures, its sins, and condemnation. And a brand new me and a brand new you has been created. Since our minds are controlled by the Spirit, we will have a new inner peace and be able to live the life that Christ came to die for us in the fullest. And where the Spirit of the Lord dwells, there is freedom. Freedom to be all God created us to be. Today, as I continually challenge myself, I also challenge you to walk in this God-given authority and accept your rightful position in the kingdom of God as his beloved. We are the praise of his glory. God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Let's stand this morning. What a word. While Dana was sharing, I just I jotted down just a thought. And it, you're defined by him. Did you hear that pretty strongly? You are defined by him. 
Your identity comes from him. Now, walk in it, fight for it, protect it, and enjoy it. Father, we stand before you today, dearly loved. The praise of your glory, what a thought. That you look at us the way we would look at our children. Whether it's that somehow we, we, we miss the shortcomings because we're just mostly almost always overwhelmed by just, just love them. And yet for you, it's even greater. You told us we're doing that in an evil nature and how much more are we dearly loved by you? Father, in this room right now, for every broken identity, where we have believed things that did not align with what you said, we both ask for revelation and forgiveness. You have defined us. You have called us by name. Your word to Israel's child, you are mine. And so we stand today before you understanding we are yours, bought, redeemed, loved. But for every single one of us, male, female, for the rest of our days, may we wake up every day reminded by the Spirit of God, you're dearly loved. Now walk in it. Fight for it. Protect it. Enjoy it. May your face shine upon us this week. We, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.